Psalms 27, which is on page 393 of the Pew Bibles. Uh, there will be four points that we'll be working through today. And you can look on the back of the worship folders to follow along. But first, uh, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, may you grant me health this day that I may glorify you in all that is said. Please help us now as we read your word together. Please illuminate the scriptures before us. Help us remember everything that is truthful and helpful and everything that is not that we would soon forget. I thank you so much for the privilege of coming to you in prayer, the privilege of meeting together, and the freedom to worship you. And we know that this is all made possible because of your son's sacrifice on the cross. And Lord, I also thank you for the service of everyone here that make each Sunday possible. We thank you so much for the grace that you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ, and the new life that he's given us. We pray this in your holy name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. So, Psalms 27 is a psalm of David. First one goes, The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy, and I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So as I read through First and Second Samuel to get a better handle of David's life, it was difficult to tell when he wrote this psalm. The commentators were also not sure. Some say it was before he became king. Some say it was after. It may have been when he was running or being chased from King Saul or when it was his son Absalom who was conspiring to overtake him. As we read this psalm, we do learn that David is in a pickle. His, armies were, his enemies were surrounding him and about to overtake him. However, he does not lose heart. He confesses confidence in the Lord. This brings us to our first point. David's confession, verses 1 through 3. David says the Lord is his light. Light in the Old Testament often symbolizes or means joy, life, or prosperity. Even though David has been through many unpleasant and hostile times, he knows the Lord is the one upholding his life. And even though an army was surrounding him like a ravenous beast who wanted to devour him, he confidently confesses that the Lord is his life, joy, and cause of salvation. Salvation means deliverance, rescue, or victory. David knew God would deliver him. David knew this by experience. 
The Lord rescued David many times. He gave him strength to defeat a bear, a lion, to take down the Philistine champion Goliath in battle. And he had been in many wars and experienced many victories because the Lord was there and delivered his enemies into his hands. In reflection, David can say with confidence, when all looks bleak, Lord, you are my light and my salvation. He also confessed the Lord was his stronghold. A stronghold was a place of safety, a refuge, a place to hide from his enemies in times of trouble. David often went to different strongholds when he was on the run. David here is confessing that the Lord is his greatest strength, my stronghold. One commentator wrote, in spite of life-threatening opponents who appear quickly in verse 2, trust is the order of the day. The enemies were described as wild beasts who would devour their prey. In face of armies and war and the onslaught of evil, the psalmist embraced the trust in the mighty fortress who is a saving and protecting God. After David confesses, the Lord is my light, my salvation, and my stronghold, he then asks a question, of whom shall I be afraid? David actually said it three times. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? My heart will not fear. David said, even if these things were happening, the wicked advancing against me to devour me, even though an army was surrounding me and war was breaking out against me, I will not fear. So why should David not fear an attacking army? Well, if the Lord is his light, salvation, and stronghold, why should David fear? In Deuteronomy 32:35, the Lord says, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. In due time their foot will slip, their day of disaster is near. Their doom rushes upon them. David had experienced this, and he is confident that God will deliver him from his enemies. He is confident that his enemies will stumble and fall. He does not fear as the Lord is on his side. He does not fear because he knows God provides and upholds all things, including his life. He does not fear because the Lord is his light, salvation, and stronghold. Therefore, his confession is trust in God and what God has done and what God is doing. As Christians, we can confidently say as David did, Lord, you are my light, my salvation, and my stronghold. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 12. Jesus is our life, and if we do not have him, we are still in our darkness, in the darkness and dead in our sins. It is only in the Lord Jesus Christ we can have victory. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, Thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has conquered our enemies at the cross, and one day this will all come to fullness. Yes, it is accomplished, yet we do not see the full benefits yet. Hebrews 10, 12 through 14 says, But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he is made perfect for those who are being made holy. Yes, Christ has defeated our enemies. Yes, their sins are forgiven. Yes, he has provided eternal life. And yes, Satan has been defeated at the cross. Yet we still struggle with sin. Our bodies will still die. And Satan, for the time being, is roaring around like a lion waiting for someone to devour. 1 Peter 5.8 But when Christ returns, all enemies will be put under his feet. Death will be no more. Sin will be no more. And the devil and his children will be cast into the lake of fire. So in all reality, we have it better than David did. Paul says to Timothy, this grace was given in us, given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. 
but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. In the Old Testament, life after death was not real clear. The author of Ecclesiastes says, who knows the human spirit rises upward or and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. But sometime later, Isaiah spoke of a resurrection. Isaiah 26, 19 says, but your dead will live, Lord, their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. So there was uncertainty in the Old Testament. The blessed hope we have was cloudy and uncertain back then. The gospel brings this to light, that this life is not it, that there will be a resurrection and a blessed life with Christ when we die or when he returns. David did not know all this. Yes, he was God's man. God rescued him from those who were trying to kill him. And like us, chosen by God. He had faith in God's promises, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Yes, yet he did not know the benefits we experience in Christ. In this next passage, we see what David truly longed for. He longed for what we have. This brings us to our next point, David's petition, verses 4 through 6. We know by reading God's word in First and Second Samuel, David had experienced God's saving grace. He was delivered from his enemies. He was given victories, and he was kept safe. God also prospered David. His armies grew, his popularity grew, and he became wealthier. He was promised a kingdom, and eventually he became king. We also know that David was a handsome man and a mighty warrior. So if we're really honest with ourselves, is this not the so-called American way? To quote Pastor Joe, bodies, brains, and bucks, right? So even though David seems to have it all, he is not satisfied he wanted more. Over all these things, David says, the one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. In the Hebrew, it is translated, the one thing I have desired. So David, what is the one thing you desired? He tells us in verse 4, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. David longed to be in the house of the Lord and worship him all the days of his life. David wanted intimate fellowship with the Lord, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. He has a single mind. He desires to be in the presence of the Lord, to behold his beauty. We know David could not live in the tabernacle, and the gaze upon God and his perfect holiness would cause death. Exodus 33:20. So I believe what David is saying is he longs for more. He wants a better salvation. He wants to be a Christian. David was thinking the best he could here. Bob Lynch, one of our elders, said to me on Friday, David was looking forward we look back. As Christians, we can look at God's word, the Bible, and we can see redemptive history unfold. David could not. The Messiah at that time was still a mystery. But David knew there was more to life. There were better things to come. First Peter 1.10-11 says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. So this salvation is no longer a mystery. The longing David had is a salvation we can only experience in Christ. And oh, what a privilege we have to know Jesus as our Savior. David goes on to say, For in a day of trouble he will keep me 
safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent. He will set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will, make, I will sing and make music to the Lord. David is saying, if the Lord before him, who can be against him? If he is the one who saves, who can harm me? He will exalt me above my enemies who surround me. The Lord will lift me high upon a rock. He will exalt my head, which means he will give me victory and save me by his mighty presence. And in response, David says, he will sacrifice before the Lord and will sacrifice with shouts of joy and will make music to the Lord. When David sees God for all that he is, everything else shrinks in comparison. And he responds by desiring to give him sacrifices of praise and worship as the Lord is the only one who can truly save. So as Christians, we are to be of great cheer, as who can harm us if we are in God's sacred tent, or in other words, if we are in Christ. No one. Paul said in Romans 8, 33-35, who will bring any charge against those God has chosen. It is God who justifies, who then is the one who condemns. No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, and is at the right hand of God interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? If we are truly in Christ, what can separate us from his love? Nothing. If God has provided it all for us, if he's the one who called us, justified us, and saves us, should we not shout for joy? And in the momentary troubles of this world, it does not compare to the supremacy of Jesus. As Christians, we know that Christ is our light, our salvation, and our strength. He then should be our heart's desire. And when we think of all that he has done to save us by spilling his blood on the cross, it should bring praises to our lips and maybe tears to our eyes. If we are in Christ, our life is eternally secure by his saving work at Calvary. And this brings us to our next point, David's cry, verses 7 through 12. David says, hear my voice when I call, Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. David is crying out to the Lord. He says, hear my voice. Be merciful to me. Answer me. Do not hide your face. Do not turn your servant to anger. Do not reject me or forsake me. And do not turn me over to the desires of my foes. As one commentator said, and I'm paraphrasing, David is crying out to the Lord in divine, crying out to the Lord in prayer for divine protection and deliverance from danger that, it, that he has confidently expressed in the first six verses. David here also expresses faith and complete dependence on the Lord, and he is seeking the Lord in heartfelt prayer. He says, My heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. David goes to the source of his strength, his helper, the God that saves. Who else can save him? If God turns his face from him, who is there? Who can help? No one. 
but he is confident his faith is in God alone. Even if those who are closest to him, closest to him, such as his mother or father, forsake him, the Lord will receive him. David's faith is in trust. David's faith and trust is in God, the God who saves. So if David were to be rejected by the Lord, there would be no hope for him at all, or any of us. And that is what our sins deserve, rejection and condemnation. We do not deserve the grace of our God. We do not deserve the grace that's been shown to us through Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God for his son, Jesus. Verse 10 says again, if my mother or father forsakes me, the Lord will receive me. The Amplified Bible says the Lord will adopt me. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, the J.B. Phillips translation says, Praise be to God for giving us through Christ every possible spiritual benefit as citizens of heaven. For consider what he has done. Before the foundation of the world, he chose us to become in Christ his holy and blameless children, living with his constant care. He planned in his purpose of love that we should be adopted as his own children through Jesus Christ, that we might learn to praise his glorious generosity of his, which made us welcome in the everlasting love he bears towards his son. We have been given everything by God who saves us through his son, Jesus. If we are truly in Christ, we are God's children, and he being a perfect father, he will never leave us or forsake us. He loves us with the utmost love and cares for us with the divine care. In verses 11 through 12, David is crying out. He says, teach me, lead me, and protect me because bad people are lying about me. Even though David has bad people lying about him, he wants to do the right thing. And he asks God to deliver him from them. David was God's man wanting to live God's way even when times were rough, he's requesting that God give him direction. We are to do the same. We are to seek God's will, to glorify God in all that we do and say, even in the most difficult times. Why wouldn't we? He is our Father and we want to please him. And this brings us to our last point, David's confession, verses 13 through 14. Excuse me, David's confidence. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So David had experienced God's help. God had protected him through many difficult, life-threatening situations. He is confident of this. If God be his helper, who shall he fear? David shares this confidence with others, maybe his troops that were with him. Verse 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. As one commentator said, this was faith encouraging faith. David may have been saying, the Lord has never let me down, so be of strong will and do not lose heart. Wait patiently and he will come through. And verse 13b, David says, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now remember, David was thinking the best he could here. David's knowledge is based on his experience of God's saving grace and deliverance he experienced through difficult situations. And he is saying that he will see God's saving grace in this life, in the land of the living. So when we think theologically as Christians, what is the land of the living? 
The land of the living is life in Christ. Jesus said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. He goes on in 11.25 of John, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And again, that was in John 3.36 and 11.25. Do we believe Jesus is our life? Can we be confident and say, Jesus, you are my light, my salvation, and my stronghold? Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which must be saved. We as Christians are to be of good cheer and take heart as we have the greatest gift that can ever be given. We have Christ, and we experience all the gospel privileges in his name. No matter the circumstances, we have a bright future in front of us, and we are to wait patiently for his return. So we have one hymn and a short closing, and then we're done. There is a hope that burns within my heart that gives me strength for every passing day. A glimpse of glory revealed, now revealed in meager part, yet strives all doubt away. I stand in Christ with sins forgiven, and Christ in me the hope of heaven. My highest calling and my deepest joy to make his will my home. There is a hope that lifts my weary head, a consolation strong against despair that when the world has plunged me in the deepest pit, I find my Savior there. Through present sufferings, futures fear, he whispers courage in my ear, for I am safe in everlasting arms, and they will lead me home. There is a hope that stands the test of time, that lifts my eyes beyond the beckoning grave, to see the matchless beauty of day divine when I behold his face. When suffering cease and sorrows die, and every longing satisfied, then joy unspeakable will flood my soul, for I am truly home. So if you are in Christ today, you have nothing to fear. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do not ignore such a great salvation, and do not harden your hearts. The author of Hebrews asked this question, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? So let Christ be your light, your salvation, and your strength. Let him come into your life today. So let's pray. And this prayer comes from Paul out of 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 through 17. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. May the, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.